hello and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Busy podcast. My name's Graham Alcott. I'm your host for this show. This is the podcast where we talk productivity, work-life balance, how people define happiness and success, all the big questions around work and life. Before we get into this episode, I just want to do a quick swear word parental advisory notice. The guest on this week's show has a book with a swear word in the title. We're going to talk about that swear word a lot. And if you don't want to hear that for some reason, then please switch off now. I should also um, use this as the opportunity to apologise for all the other times I've sworn on all the other podcasts where I've not made any reference to parental advisory notices. Uh, but I just thought it was probably worthwhile doing it, given the nature of this one. So if you are still here and you have not switched off, then I'm very excited to say that this week's guest is Steph Sword-Williams. She is the author of a new book called Fuck Being Humble. And she's also someone whose work I've followed for a while. She has uh, basically an events company of the same name. So we talk a little bit about that and um, some of the work that she's done all around the idea of self-promotion and making it less icky and making it less uh, like something that we don't want to do. And so we're going to talk about my own hang-ups with it. We're going to talk about why some people find it tough and also all the benefits of it. So once we really think about how we market ourselves, how we put ourselves out there, how we take those kind of risks, it can have some huge benefits for our work, for our careers, all that sort of thing. So um, really interesting conversation. I think you're going to really enjoy it. I'm going to do a couple of um, notices and bits and bobs at the end. But for now, because this is a long one and it's a good one, I just want to get straight into it. So here is the conversation with Steph Saul-Williams. Right, we are rolling. I'm with Steph Saul-Williams. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Um, so we've just been chatting a little bit and, and sharing our uh, sort of COVID um, stories and experiences because we kind of do, well, we, we talk about different subjects, but we have similar ways of delivering it, i.e. events and workshops and books and all that sort of stuff. Um, so uh, how are you doing today versus how has the last few months been? Like, how are you kind of, are you, do you feel like you've um, switched into the new normal? Is it still frantic? Like, how are you doing generally? It's such a roller coaster for me. I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever really actually accepted there is a coming a new normal. And I'm kind of just going with the flow of it all. I'm not trying to go back to what it was and I'm not, saying that it's the new normal. I think I'm just literally week on week, just pushing through. There's so much stuff going on at the moment where I've, I've never, I don't really feel like I have the chance to stop and accept uh, whether it's the new normal. I've just each week just getting through it as I can. Nice. And as people are listening to this, it's September. Uh, well, if you listen to it when, it when it first drops, this is September and your book has just come out, Fuck Being Humble. Yeah. Um, so, um, firstly, just to say congratulations on the book. Um, mm-hmm. It's it looks beautiful as well, like the typesetting and it's nice hardback, and it's kind of making me a little bit envious about some of my <laughs> my previous paperbacks, which don't look as uh, as just lovely and professional as this. Um, so, firstly, congratulations on it. How have you found? Before we talk about the subject matter, how have you found the process of writing a book? Yeah, really interestingly. So I I definitely wouldn't usually describe myself as a writer. I, I am very much a storyteller and that's always been ingrained in everything I do. 
whether it's public speaking or within the workplace. Um, writing is something that it just, I was always more on the art side, like I was more of a drawer and creative person. And I think I have always had words inside of me and opinions, but they usually communicated verbally. So I, I did write a blog at uni and I always joke that it was it was pretty bad and it's hidden in the depths of the internet now and nobody can hmm. find it. But it definitely helped me to learn how to articulate and form opinions that were more rounded or that I could use, you know, in, in meetings or in the interviews when I was speaking to people. So sitting down to write a book was a completely new world for me. I'd been working in advertising for seven years, much more on the project management account directing side of things. So again, it was a lot more of the verbal communication and and project management than actual writing. So it's definitely been a journey. I really, I really enjoyed it actually when I was doing it, I was working full time. So I would basically just set aside every Saturday and like most people, I, I got writer's block and frustration when it didn't work on some days and I needed to just step away and, and walk away from it. But I also only had eight months to write it. So it was a really tight um, time frame. So it was it, it was quite pressured, but I feel it was an extension of everything I'd already been doing. So the events that I was running, it was kind of extending them further out. And it just a bit of a... a a life history of, of my, all my experiences rolled into one really. So I think in a way it was easier than writing a fiction where, you know, it could go in lots of different directions. At least I had a structure and I knew the direction I wanted it to go in. I think, you know, just like anybody, I definitely battled imposter syndrome and, and productivity to, to your guidance of, you know, making sure that I didn't try and make myself write for 12 hours straight because I only had one day a week to do it. And, really learning about days when I was do- on a roll and days when I wasn't. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a, an, such an amazing achievement for me get to get to experience and do in my career. And I'm so grateful of the opportunity. Um, so big shout out to Quadril and PFD for making it happen. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm, it's kind of all feels quite surreal. Even seeing the book, it still doesn't feel like it's mine having, you'll probably have experienced this as well. Like it, it was a G doc for so long. It was, it was a digital version for so long that seeing it as a paperback, a hardback canal, sorry, it, it feels quite, uh, just, yeah, it's just, it hasn't really sunk in still. I feel. Yeah. Mine is the moment where the typesetter does their thing and then they send you a PDF of what it will look like when it's printed and you go, huh, it looks like all the other books, right? So yeah. until then, it looks like a really messy document with comments all over it. And then suddenly yeah. it's like, oh, it looks pretty good now. I remember when I got the artwork with the front cover on it and the date. So I'd seen like iterations of the cover, but it took a while to get to the final decision. And then I saw the date on it and I was in the middle of Angel in London um, preparing for another event. I was running around like a headless chicken and I just burst into tears. And I And I think that was probably like just, you know, you know, a year and a half's worth of running but being humble and it all just being like, wow, this was the moment. And I hadn't cried about it emotionally uh, in a happy way until that point. And it it really hit me then. So I think I'm definitely at stage two of like, I just want to know and hear what everyone thinks about it. And then as long as it's positive (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then hopefully it'll it'll start sinking a bit more we'll come on to dealing with negative reviews later i'm sure i'm not Uh, not ready for those (laughs) (laughs) um so the book is called fuck being humble um which is 
just obviously just a very arresting uh out there kind of title and it really resonated with me just the whole idea because i i feel like i struggle with self-promotion quite a lot just the idea of it and that sort of feeling quite um you know feeling like it's quite sort of braggy or arrogant or whatever like there's just a lot of kind of big negative emotional baggage i think that a lot of people have with the whole idea of self-promotion so why do you think people particularly struggle with just the idea of self-promotion like first of all there's so many reasons why I actually talk about it very early on in the chapters in at the start of the book of, of saying like, you know, our education doesn't necessarily, it, it's set up to teach us, but not to teach us how to promote ourselves or to run businesses. Um, similarly, like our parents, if they didn't study the same things we studied, they may not get that, you know, my parents were very more in the academic accountants, finance. They didn't get that I, in order to stand out in the creative industry, I actually needed to do self-promotion. So they probably, they were actually pretty great, but there were, there were parts of it where they probably didn't know how much I needed to self-promote and the importance of it. I think there's things like our workplaces and who we work with. You know, when you want to brag about our achievement, you might get snide comments, people thinking you're, you know, sucking up or you're showing off and, I think in the UK in particular, it's ingrained in our culture. We're apologetic about everything. It's something that Americans pick up on really quickly when they meet us. Like, why are you apologizing for um, somebody sitting at the table before you? Or, you know, like we apologize for everything. And there's actually like, you know, in other countries like America, they they are taught about, they have self-esteem classes and they have confidence ingrained in in their culture and promotion is just a big part of what they do but you know because of our social conditioning because of the locations you're in it can be like your upbringing it can it can just be so many different factors it could just be that you had one bad review where someone told you you were too confident or you'll never actually be as good as that person which could hold you back for the rest of your life there are so many situations that I hear about and it, and it pains me to hear each time because I really do see it as such a fundamental skill um, that it's, you know, it's, it's upsetting to hear that people get to the age of 50 and, and they message me and they say, God, I wish I'd had something like this when I was your age because I've wasted years not doing stuff like this. You know, like I, I find that so hard to hear, but I totally believe it because you know, we do, we, we live in environments where it's, it's frowned upon to celebrate ourselves. And I, I think that's a real shame across the world, to be honest. Yeah. And is it something that you struggle with yourself? I mean, you know, I wrote Productivity Ninja because I'd struggled with productivity. And then once I mastered it, it just felt like I just want everybody else to know this. Or, or was it more, you found it really easy uh, you know, when you were younger and then it's like, I want to make sure everybody else can do this. Like what's your own history with just the whole idea of self-promotion. It's really interesting that you ask me this question because I, I get asked it a lot and I would absolutely be lying if I said I didn't feel like I've always been a confident person. But I think as well as, you know, my parents always being really supportive, I do feel a big part of my confidence was throwing myself in the deep end in so many situations, sometimes not optionally. Sometimes I, I just had bosses who did it for me. And in that, in doing that meant I had to, you know, fight. I had to do it. I had to swim back up and see if I could actually make that leap. But 
I don't know if it's because of my confidence I was put in those situations, which meant I was forced to learn quite quickly on how I need to pitch things with enthusiasm or how I need to smash an interview because I, you know, I move jobs quite regularly. Like it's all from lived experiences that definitely in situations I was not qualified for. I didn't have the experience. I didn't know if I could do it. I was had a lot of self-belief. So the belief that I can do something with or without the skills, which has definitely caused some dramas in my life. (laughs) But I would say, uh, you know, I I think the confidence built from taking the risks that some people are just very scared to take. It isn't just that I rode in on this horse and was like, oh, I've always been fabulous. Like, you know, it's, it's very much been a journey. I've, I've moved cities numerous times in my life. I've changed jobs seven times. I've um, joined startups, large businesses, you know, independent businesses. I've just started my own business. You know, it's, it's all come from me having to take various risks where I definitely fell out of my comfort zone at, at spaces. But I, I did do, I mainly worked in uh, account directing and project management, but I did towards the last three years of working in advertising, I did a lot of new business development. And that was a real eye opener for me to see how important self-promotion was in order to generate business for big established businesses, let alone for the individual themselves. So I think I've got my work experiences is a lot of what has driven me to this point. And I too have had bosses that have put me down or not believed in me or people in my life that have said, you won't go on to leave the city or do much more when I was living in the North. And, you know, I, I felt it, but with everything that I've tried and risked doing, I've experienced some really incredible moments of, of success that I'm now in a place where I really want to share them. And the reason as well, you know, I'm 28 right now. And of course I could have waited another 20 years before I was an absolute expert and super qualified in, in this field, or I could start doing peer to peer sharing and helping as many people as I can, as soon as I can. And that's kind of more of my outlook. If, if I help one person with this story or this journey or, you know, encouraging this mindset, that's enough for me. Yeah. I was really struck by what you're saying about being in at the deep end as well. And one of the things um, that you said is the more we self-promote, the more confident we get in our skills, our craft and our abilities. And it feels to me like, yeah, if you throw yourself in at the deep end, then you very quickly gain the confidence to be able to do those things that felt like out of your reach before. But of course, for a lot of people, they're not confident enough to jump off the diving board, right? So that feels like almost like a little chicken and egg. So I suppose the I suppose the lesson there is is take risks and take leaps as much as you feel is palatable, right? Definitely. And I think a big part of that is also surrounding yourself with the people that encourage you to do that. So I have a lot of friends that when I was like, I'm going to move from Manchester to London to join a two-person startup. Uh, I have two other job offers on the table at very established companies, but I'm going to take this risk. And there were quite a few of them were like, are you sure you want to do this? I had to convince my dad a little bit at the time. He's really glad that I did it now. But there were definitely people who risked that. But I knew in myself, no, I I wanted this challenge and I, I wanted to try something new. And I think something I say to a lot of people is like, it's so important the people you surround yourself with, because whilst I love and adore the people that 
had that fear for me, you know, just from a sense of security and whether I'd enjoy it. I've also, as I've established my career and, and particularly living in London, I've started building people who are so excited at the thought of thrill seeking or like taking a risk and, and go, yeah, why not? You can definitely do this and have like this limitless self-belief for me and in themselves. And, and actually that is so important for you to take those leaps and those dives. I, I was talking to a friend recently. She's had an idea that she's wanted to get off the ground. And I was just thinking about it yesterday and I voice noted her. And I was like, I was thinking about this and I think you should do X, Y, and Z. She's just come back to me today and she was like, you definitely gave me inspiration. I I think I'm going to start doing it. And, you know, I don't get to see her as much because she lives in another city now. But it's about that. Had I not have sent that message, would she be back thinking about it again? And I'm not saying that I'm the reason that will happen. But surrounding yourself with the people that give you the encouragement and the empowerment that you can do those things with or without the experience is so important. And I think, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I've not had an, uh, an, I've had a privileged upbringing. I wouldn't say that I've had a hard time, but I do feel like my story can be celebrated as a bit of an underdog story of, yes, I'm from the North. No, I didn't have any creative contacts when I was going through the creative industry. I got like eight different creative placements at university all through my own contacts, you know, like I moved to London and I've built an amazing network and so many amazing opportunities, but none of that feels like it's been handed on a plate. It, it really has been me pushing and working really hard and surrounding myself with people that believe in me and believe that I can do it, you know, with or without those skills and that experience that a lot of people are held back by. That's really inspiring. I, I was a free school meal kid uh, at school myself and um, I, I've had a couple of conversations recently with people saying, Oh, so you must have, you know, gone to private schools and I think partly because the way I talk as well, right? Like I've sort of over the years developed a very sort of rounded, more Southern accent than where I came from. And yeah, I think people just make assumptions that I'm white and male. So therefore I must have had loads of privilege and whatever. And it's, um, yeah, it, it, I suppose maybe that highlights how, how few of us there are, right? <laughs> that like people just make that assumption. Totally. And I, I think also like I, I went to a really rough school. I, I did really well in my GCSEs and A-levels, but that was surprising. Like I, I didn't mm. expect it and we didn't, I didn't have, it, it was, uh, the school did well with the good kids, but there were, it wasn't the best. And, and I feel like you are, there are lots of things that hold people back a hundred percent, but you know, your journeys of where you've come from are so important because I think it pushes you to work even harder and to prove people that, no, I didn't need to go to private school. No, I didn't write a business plan when I saw this. No, I haven't had advice from other people. You know, this is, this is me driving this. And and I think that that's your inner personality and your values that drive you irrespective of, of the surroundings that you came from. I just want to talk about the F word yeah. really briefly. So, um, so the the company is called Fuck Being Humble, and the book book is called Fuck Being Humble. And then you've got these workshop names: Let Me Blow Your Mind, Ain't No Shame, Bitch, Better Have My Money, which I just love. But so, firstly, where did those come from? But also, have they ever been a barrier to you? Because they stand out, and and it really sort of shows me that uh, whilst you might have been on the project management side in advertising you you've clearly learned how to get people's attention and learn how to tell stories 
Um, but have you ever found that using the F word in your company name has kind of, has it closed the door for any companies wanting to hire you or things like that? Oh, this is such a great question. I'm glad you asked this. So I think, first of all, they say that your businesses and your brands are an extension of you. And whilst I don't want to uh, paint a picture that I go around swearing at everyone and, um, you know, constantly churning out these motivational statements, I do think that, you know, whether it was subconsciously or consciously, being humble is very much me, my personality, and not necessarily the message, but the way in which it's delivered in the sense that I am very much like, if you've got a talent, then you go out there and you use it. Because there are so many people who are from disadvantaged backgrounds that don't get those opportunities and that will get fall through the cracks. And and I hate seeing that. And so rather than sitting on something that you've got and that you are amazing at and just wishing and hoping that everything comes to you, go out and get it. I'm not, I call myself like a tough love a tough love agony and careers coach because I'm not going to be like you're a boss babe and shoot for the stars and everything will happen like that if you look at my Instagram account f being humble LDN that is not what you get from me it's straight talking advice on how you can make the most of your talent and your skills and so I think you know I actually had like a few names I played around with And I just remember saying it. And again, this is that interesting thing about telling your friends or being surrounded by people that maybe are going to give you some advice versus the advice that you actually need to hear. So when I told my friends that I was going to run a business called Foot Being Humble, naturally, they were scared for me. And I (laughs) had to convince them. and, And I was like, I just can't think of anything else that has the punch. And they were like, yeah, but you could intimidate quiet people. And I was like, yeah, but I I think I can make this work. Like I I need to stop people in the tracks. I want to be different. And I'm so glad that I didn't, although again, I appreciate their feedback, like uh, cling on to their reservations because it has absolutely been the driving success of the book, of of the book, but also the business and, and everything I stand for. There's no way the things that have happened in the past two years would have happened if I had called myself shoot for the stars like there's just yeah, no way yeah. and I think on the names of the event so I when I started writing the um I wrote some form of a proposal it was like a 78 page keynote where I just basically like offloaded all my thoughts that were in my head and at the same time I was listening to an R&B hip-hop playlist that I like it's my favorite genre of music usually 90s because I'm one of the kids from the 90s that appreciates that music and will only listen to that music and say it's the best music ever. And as I was listening to it, you know, Missy Elliott was coming on and she was saying, ain't no shame, get your head in the game. And then I was listening to Eve and Gwen Stefani and they were singing like, let me blow your mind. And I was like, how cool would it be if I just took what I'm listening to right now and I put that into career development and I, I kind of broke the traditional norms of what professional development looked like and I I shook things up a bit and that is actually where it's born from and it's so I remember that day so vividly I was in the Ace Hotel like lots of other East London creatives writing away and and that, that music came on and it's massively been a thing that people have connected with 
in terms of how it's helped the business, I think when I explain that they're based on my 90s R&B favorite songs, people love it. But <laughs> in terms of SEO, it's not ideal because uh, of course, yeah. it doesn't actually show it up. So that's something that, you know, again, you know, without knowing running a business and understanding SEO, I would never have known, but they were a big they're a big personality of the brand. So in terms of like the names and the choices, I don't regret any of that and I'm as much as I get trolled um, and get some messages and I get told how I should and shouldn't be communicating this message, I'm really proud I went for it. And it's a really good example of, you know, making a stand and creating a brand name that is not only disruptive, but it is, I say to people, it's a mindset that I want you to adopt. So whether or not you verbally use it, whether or not you get a tattoo of it or you put stickers on your laptop with that message, you can adopt that message in your head and you can interpret that and action that however you want to do it. But I've had people message me say, I was I was in a meeting and I, I really wasn't sure if to do it. And then I just said to myself, no, foot being humble, I'm going to do this. And I put myself forward for it. And that's what I'm living for. Like that, that, those sorts of bits of feedback are amazing for me. And I just, yeah, like I say, I don't think I'd have got that if I'd have gone for something a bit more simpler and um, conservative. I think in terms of whether it's held me back or whether I found barriers, the first thing is that Instagram, Facebook and Twitter won't let me advertise. So the irony of building a brand where I actually can't um, self-promote is so funny. Oh. If for some reason it blocks me because it says profanities, even though the the fuck is has got an asterisk, it won't let me advertise. I actually really need to just speak to someone at Facebook and be like, please let me. But the flip side <laughs> of that is, please let me give you my money. Please yeah. let me just let me do it. Um, the flip side of that is the following is organic, and I'm even mm. prouder of that. And I'm you know, as someone who has worked on the advertising side and knows that you don't make a viral campaign unless you spend a shit ton of money on it and you get it in the places where it's seen, you know, people have, you know, seeked out foot being humble and it, that's how it's grown. And that's actually yeah. even more of an, um, you know, a goal for me and, and something that I'm really proud of, but that's obviously been an issue in terms of getting hired or books or working booked or working with clients there was one instant with quite a big brand who said, we absolutely love you. We'd love to book you for International Women's Day. We just can't um, swear. So you wouldn't be able to say your brand name. And, <laughs> and I was like, it was a big opportunity. And I was like, oh, like, okay. So maybe I just run the talk presented by Stephanie Sword-Williams. So, you know, how to overcome imposter syndrome or confidence by Stephanie Sword-Williams. But I said at some point I'd have to signpost my book and my Instagram, um, which do have the words fuck on it. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, no, we're not going to be able to do that. And at that point I was like, no, this just isn't. If I, There's one thing that I'm even entertaining changing my brand name or like changing the title of my talk, let alone not being able to plug my own products like that. That's that is a problem. So I'm actually really proud. I, st I stood my ground. And to be fair, the, to the person that I was working with, she was only the middleman. And, and she was like, I think it's ridiculous between you and I. And I'm, I'm really sorry. And I just said, look, I, I don't think I can do this. You know, th these are all the reasons why we should work together. I've worked with probably more uh, 
conservative brands and businesses that are a way more straight edge than you are because you're actually quite a cool brand um so it's up to you like kind of take it or leave it and she actually came back and was like we're gonna go w- with you and we'd, we'd love you to use your name and, and I'm sorry that we even had to have that conversation so nice. it's you know it, I, I had to you know really stand my ground with that and at the risk of losing business but I think it does come at a point where it's like I for the people that get this idea and get the message, I don't have to spend a second explaining it. And to the people that I do have to explain it to, well, then maybe we're just not aligned and I can't I can't and shouldn't really waste my energy on trying to convince people that this will work when I know that it does. So it's, it's up to people on whether they're ready to join it. Um, and when they are, I'll welcome them with open arms. But I've got so many other people that I'd love to support and help uh, instead of convincing people that what I'm saying is valid. Yeah, for sure. It really, I, I think maybe one of the reasons it has really resonated with me is, well, partly because I think I really value being humble and humility. And I also know that it sometimes holds me back. But I think like your choices of names, it really reminds me to, it takes me back to when I came up with Productivity Ninja. And we had a list of probably about 70 different things that we were going to call ourselves we didn't want to be consultants we didn't want to be trainers and we had a list of all these other job titles that we we're going to give ourselves so it was a job title first before it became the book and i remember being sat with this list and productivity ninja felt like the one that was the most daring and weird and mm-hmm. that would be the most eye-catching and i was like we're just going to go with that because it just feels like you know it feel and like you say it it, it hopefully gives people sort of like a bit of a mindset. Okay, I'm going to get my ninja on today. I'm going to be a ninja, that kind of thing. Rather than it just being a title, it's sort of people adopt it as part of their own identity too, which I think is, you know, the arresting thing about it. But then I suppose, yeah, we've. I think we've had two over the years where people have said to us, we think you guys are the experts on productivity. We'd love to bring you in. And we don't think people would take the idea of productivity ninja seriously. So we're not going to hire you. And it's like, okay, we've had two in 10 years and we've also probably had, you know, dozens where they've gone, I want to be a ninja, where do I sign? And yeah, so, yeah, like sometimes that. being a little bit Marmite actually I think is um, is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as I said, it, it's it's down to be interpreted by the individual and how they want to carry that. So I understand that businesses have policies where they can't swear. I completely get that. You know, like there are people that I'm speaking to right now, they're like, we're just going to have to dodge it because we don't let anyone swear. Like I get it. That was the decision I made when I built this brand. Um, but the the decision was made to disrupt and and that's hopefully what I'm doing. I'd love to, just before we move on from this, I, I've mentioned a couple of times, I sometimes struggle with self-promotion. Yes. Uh, so I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but um, knowing what you know of me and Instagram and stuff, have you got any advice for me on how I can promote myself better or think productive better? So I'm, I'm glad you've asked me this. I get asked this all the time. It's sort of like a, a one-to-one coaching session um, <laughs> and it's like, oh, very much on the spot. But... Firstly, I want to say I actually really like your stuff and we follow each other on Instagram and I always feel like you've got a really consistent brand and and a solid message. I think when I, you know, in the short time I've had to think about this response, I would say um, probably seeing a bit more of you in terms of like 
you who you are behind the book and yeah like actually like almost like videos of you or some of the talks that you do because I know that you post um stuff about your podcast but you know that's usually audio stuff and even you and I just talking before this call we had a quick zoom and it was just it's always nice to see people's faces and and actually this is the feedback I get because I find the video stuff a bit cringe and I can't really do it and I don't mind if the event's recorded and you know I'll, I'll entertain a room but doing it myself I find quite discomforting um but actually I think there's probably something for you to be letting people see a bit more how you you know you speak and you do run events and and whether that's done through you know Instagram lives or you know videos on LinkedIn like how how much more can we see of like your sort of off work personality where it feels less like oh here's my podcast and I, I think that's one of the things that I say to a lot of people is self-promotion is as hard as you make it and it feels uncomfortable because you're not being yourself. So I, I once heard about somebody who was petrified of public speaking. So, but he had to do a presentation to about 400 people. So he sat on stage and wrote his presentation live um, on a screen and there was no, you know, delivery. He wasn't speaking. He literally just wrote it and it, it was presented real time through text. And I was like, that was, that's absolutely incredible. Like how amazing that you've, you've taken something where you just, that doesn't feel natural to you and you don't want to conform the way that everyone else is. But I have never met this guy. I wasn't even at the event and I'm still talking about him. So Mm. self-promotion is how you want to tell your story. You don't have to conform to, and if actually you say to me, Steph, I, I don't actually like video and that's why I don't do it. That's totally fair play. But how else might I see your personality? What else could you do? to tell me a bit more about you outside of the work realm. And I think because Foot Being Humble for me is such an extension of me and the way that everything's written is very personal and um, it's, 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 it's me writing it all. It's me writing all the social posts. Like I, I am in control of it. I suppose that is the luxury of when you are working solo and you haven't got a team where you're trying to make sure they all deliver the same message that you're thinking. But I do think, people really connect with that personal side. And one of the things that's really helped me build an emotional connection with people is just being honest about the fact that I've been through so much of this stuff. I absolutely don't try and say that I'm the expert and the best person to talk about it. And when I say, you know, like I've been in meetings where I didn't get pay rises. I have been in meetings where people have told me I am shit. Like we, I have been there, like I get it. And this is, these are the things that I've helped put in place for me. And I think, you can't underestimate the how a personal story helps to land your message. So I think whilst it's great that you've got this brand Productivity Ninja, it's almost like who are you as a ninja and, and why is why is why did you choose that name and almost letting people in a bit more on the journey. And particularly for as you were an you're an author and stuff like that, without that fronting side, without that visual side of seeing about a bit more about you you only really know the person and the words that they've written you never actually get to see them so yeah I, I think as I said I think you do a really solid brand job I think I always know when it's your stuff popping up and I never think oh that was cringe or anything like that usually it's your I suppose my question back to you is what is the actual root reason for why you feel it's cringe and get to that and then self-promotion will become a lot easier. 
Yeah. Well, maybe uh, once we finish recording, I'll we'll sit here for another hour. <laughs> like you give me a counseling session and figure that out. But I do that. Yeah, that is something that's come up like many, many times over the years. And often people have said, we need to see more of Graham. We need to see more behind the scenes, all that stuff. But yeah, I think there's definitely something there for me about uh, sort of like arrogance or uh, show offy that I just, those words just feel very heavy for me and it, and it feels very unnatural. I was really struck by the thing you said before, which I'm going to really think about, um, which was, you know, if it's, if it's feeling, I think you said something like if it, if it's feeling unnatural or cringe, then it's you not being yourself. Yeah. And um, when you said that a minute ago, it really struck me of like, Oh, I really need to, work out how I how I do this stuff in a way that's being myself but yeah then you said Instagram live and I immediately cringed because I'm just like oh I hate I've done about four and I hate them so so do uh, I though and I think it's hilarious <laughs> that both of us are public speakers and yet we hate that and if anybody asks me to pre-record a video I hate it but it, you know I run webinars every week or I public speak to yeah, three or four yeah. people and I'm fine it's definitely but maybe that says something more about you know that there's different ways that you do. It, it's all about, as you've just said, like how you can start to let people in on your journey and who you are in a natural way where you do look back on it and you go, I don't find this cringe. And, and actually you're looking at, it's probably because you're comparing yourself to everybody else who does self-promotion via IG Live and you're like, oh, that's cringy. Okay, just set yourself a brief of what's a non-cringe way to self-promote. like. Yeah, you know, it's it's up to you. only you can can des- decide what you feel is not cringy. I can't tell you that. It's it's up to you. I did a really good post around um, five ways to self promote um, that that doesn't feel arrogant. To your point, and it was basically like a thread of of different mindsets again that you could adopt when you're self promoting. So one of them was be the cheerleader. So rather than focusing on yourself you actually celebrate the person that came on your podcast. So you might say, wow, I've just recorded this podcast. I'm so grateful this person could come on. I couldn't have done it without you. What an amazing interview we got to have. Please, everyone, check out this incredible story. So you're self-promoting, but you're actually putting the you know the description on, on the other person. So not only do you look more selfless, but you're actually celebrating the person that enabled you to have that opportunity. Yeah. I guess that's why my two my two like go-to bits of marketing that I do personally and don't outsource to anyone else is a weekly email which I only started, you know, 2 or 3 months ago. Yeah. And doing this podcast, right? Because they're both, you know, me slightly hiding away from cameras, me having in-depth conversations with people and then, you know, it's sort of putting the spotlight on other people as much as possible. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. But even if you decided to do um you know, a, 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 I, I'm one of these people, I'm one of those annoying people that like try and come up with solutions straight away. But even if you try to do, you know, every, every Friday, you're going to answer questions that have been submitted to you about productivity and how to overcome them. Mm. You are self-promoting what you're able to do, but you're bringing people in and you're making them part of the journey. You know, it, it, it's really simple things that you can do. And I, I always say to people, Self-promotion takes forms in so many different ways. So having a website is self-promotion. 
Having a business card is self-promotion. All these things that we've had for years that we we say, no, I don't do self-promotion. You actually already do. And it's just about getting over the definition itself. So I, I break it down in my book and I break it down in all of my talks where I say self, it just means I, and promotion is just an activity that supports a goal or an aim. So why, for, for whatever reason, it's got swept up as having a negative connotation it's not because of the word itself. It's because of what the definition that society has put on it. And actually only you control how you then change that and own that word in a completely new way. I'm going to ponder that some more. And um, I'm, I just know there's something really helpful in there. So thank you. Um, let's talk about the very beginning of, of Fuck Being Humble then. So you did this initially as like a side hustle while you were working in advertising. So... Um, I'd just love to know about the the challenge of doing that. And obviously you've you've not only had it as a side hustle, but got it to a point where it can be the main thing that you do and you've quit your job and you're doing it. Um was that a uh, was that a difficult experience? Was it a tense experience? What did your manager think? Like what were what were some of the challenges there in um like obviously they could see that not only was was this something that you're really passionate about, but it was something that had the potential to steal you away from them right yeah I think there's you know what there's always going to be an underlying feeling um of that from bosses has has been my experience um actually when I started it I was at the startup with two other people so you know there there wasn't many places to hide and you know very much we all knew each other's information you know if it was a hundred person company it could have been a bit easier to go under the radar but then when you build a brand like foot being humble I don't think I was ever going to go under the radar (laughs) so um I think there was an initial fear and there has been with the jobs well so the first, when I started it within the company I was working for, there was absolutely just the initial fear of can it be managed around work and how are you going to do it all? But I think anybody who knows me knows that I have an extremely hard work ethic and I live and breathe work because I love it. And it's not because I'm an addict and I try not to drown people with it. But my I found a job and a niche and an area where I absolutely love what I do and so it is ingrained in all aspects of my life so when I started it I'll be honest it actually stemmed out of a review that I didn't feel had gone particularly the way I wanted it to and I kind of looked at the situation and I felt like I needed to have something that I was in control of and for years I feel like I'd worked particularly in advertising where you are as an as a project manager, you have to take all the crap from the clients. You have to take all the crap internally. You're having to sell in work to clients. They believe it. You're having to s- then go back to the internal teams and, and sell in the response that the client's given, as well as part of my role was then selling the agency on top of everything that I was doing. So it was a lot of selling other people. And I I just felt like I wanted to create something that I maybe believed in a bit more. And, and I, I love the companies I've worked for and the clients I've worked with. But I did find myself, you know, selling whiskey and selling trainers and things that I, I just didn't, I didn't have that buzz for. Yeah. And at the same time, I'd, I'd just moved to London. I was going to loads of cool network events, seeing a space where I felt there was an underrepresentation of women. Uh, I felt there was an underrepresentation of um ethnicities 
talent, particularly young talent. Um, I feel like I'm someone that's experienced ageism and have been told, oh, well, you're, you're that age and, and he's that age. So that's why he earns that much or that's why he's at that title. You'll get there. And I'm like, but I'm there already. Why Why are you putting me in this box? And and I've definitely, it, it's everything that I've built has, has come from my own experiences. And I think I needed something at that point that would just let me have my own creative control and 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 actually just they say when you have a hard time at work I've been reading a book about love your job and it's called love your job and it, it talks about are you facing do you really hate your job and do you want to leave or are you actually facing work burnout and I think maybe at that point I was facing work burnout where I just needed to find a creative outlet that allowed me to do whatever I wanted and was focused on something that I was maybe more interested in at the time. It definitely, yeah, there was management that I had to do in terms of really convincing that it wasn't going to interrupt it. I then actually moved jobs and they were aware of me having foot being humble. And it's, it's hard when you run a side hustle because particularly for foot being humble, it has grown so quickly and the fear that people have is you must be putting more energy into that than your day job. Yeah. And that's something I've had to, and I still battle with is I physically couldn't be putting more energy into that because I spend five hours, (laughs) five days of the week at your company. So all I have are evenings and weekends. Like I can't be doing any more at your company than if I wanted to. So please don't feel, I, I, scared by that or fearful of that and I think because I hit a zeitgeist of there was a lot of millennial boss bitch uh you've got this own it hun going around (laughs) or there was very stuffy professional development that hasn't been challenged in a while and and I kind of feel like I cut through for that reason so it picked up momentum really really quickly and it was really hard having to explain that that wasn't because I was not putting in the same effort in my day job. It was because I'd come up with a really good idea. Yeah. Um, and then I think the final job I had before I left, uh, before I quit my job and decided to go full-time on Foot Being Humble, they actually hired me based on it. They they got in contact. They said, we've been watching what you're doing. We love what you're doing. And we want to, you know, we, we really value you and respect what you're doing in that space. And we want to use your brain and, and all the stuff you've learned from that to come help our business. And that actually was a real turning point for me because they didn't even look at my CV. Like they, they will have seen, they saw my LinkedIn. We had a few interviews and then I got offered a job within the week or so. It was a really quick turnaround. But I suppose that's also the, uh, the lesson of it as, as well, isn't it? It's like, if you can, yeah, if, if you can convince a boss that, not only is this not going to interfere with the work, but it's actually going to feed the day job that I'm doing, right? Like the things I'm going to learn through the side hustle are actually going to help me to develop what I'm doing day to day. And there's there's no more solid sign than that than someone hiring you already with that side hustle in tow, right? Absolutely. And I think to any business owners or managers listening to this, please try and respect and believe your staff when they say that side hustles, you know, if for whatever reason you catch them doing that work during the working hours, I get that you might want to, you know, rein them in and tell them that there needs to be a line. But I wish in some instances it had been more supported because I actually built an incredible network. I have done 
so many amazing things, met so many people through Foot Being Humble that I would never have met just, you know, plodding along, doing my day job. You know, it, it, it attracted people. And if maybe there was a warmer response in some situations, I might have been more willing to make that work and see how we could, you know, have a, a benefit, a mutual benefit from something that I'd started. But because there was a bit of uh, hesitance and a, and a few moments where it was criticized in that way, it, it definitely hindered my want to try and blend the two. And actually, with hindsight, I'm glad I didn't because I it, it was my baby. And, and I'm proud that I've kept it to itself and that it has ended up being, you know, a self-sufficient business that ticks along and it is, is going really well. So it, it's not without its struggles. I think my biggest piece of advice for anyone with a side hustle, um, and I talk about it in the book actually, is just be careful with how much you do and don't share. So a big part of growing a side hustle is to show people that you can do things outside of your day job that you should be celebrated for. And actually, they may open doors within your work that you may not have even been considered for until they found out about it. So that's amazing. Yeah. The flip side is when you tell them that, oh, I've actually just got a book deal that goes into panic of questioning how much you're putting into your existing day job and questioning how much, you know, you can do both at the same time when, so I would say be, be considerate with the information you share and how much you let on that it takes up your time. Um, because that is a, companies will use any excuse to not pay you more, to not give you the promotion, to, to put more pressure on you to work harder because that's just what companies do with or without a side hustle. So when you throw a distraction in the mix or how they describe it is a distraction, then that becomes something that rather than you being celebrated for can sometimes become a hindrance. So I just, I'd be sensitive with what you share and make sure you share it at the right moments and you utilize your side hustle or your passion project to benefit your business so that they don't feel fearful. Yeah, for sure. Um, talking about negative um, impacts of things. So I just want to talk about uh, negative reviews. You mentioned trolls before and having people uh, having sort of spiky reactions to the name and all that sort of stuff. And you shared a thing on Instagram a little while ago, uh, which I just thought was really funny. And it was from um, an article in the Financial Times. And the title is annoying self-promoters are not welcome in my inbox. And she's talking all about how people are using out of office messages to share links to things that they've worked on and trying to sort of get people's attention. And um, there's this lovely bit in it when she says, I'm going to read it out to you. Is that all right? Go for it. <laughs> so it says, consider Stephanie Saul Williams, the 20-something founder of fuckbeinghumble.com, a UK mentoring outfit with a mission to encourage you to be the best possible brand that you can be. She thinks self-promotion spells success and people should do more of it, especially young women. As she told a bemused reporter from the Times this year, <laughs> that means being ready to bugger off pronto from any company that does not value you and sitting next to the job interview uh, not opposite them uh, because you should be interviewing them to see if they're up for being the boss. As they say in the real world, good luck with that. Disturbingly, <laughs> I just love the word disturbingly. <laughs> Disturbingly, Miss Saul Williams claimed to have picked up this drivel at university where she studied fashion communication promotion. I can't imagine this was the university's intention, but if it were, it would be alarming. 
in my experience, people do not like working with, and especially for tedious blowhards. <laughs> study after study suggests that workers led by a more humble person perform better. Um, and what I loved was that you took this um, very negative review, which is actually from like two years ago, and you put it on your Instagram and then use that as a way to talk about being criticized and and your reaction to being criticized and sort of dealing with criticism. So um, I suppose the first, I, I just loved it. It was a really um, just a nice way of, of, of kind of sharing that and, and sort of using something that could be seen as negative as a really positive thing. But like, did you feel uneasy about sharing that? Because you're kind of digging up something that's two years old that, you know, most people wouldn't have seen. And if they had, they'd probably forgotten about. And you're kind of reminding them of that criticism. Um, yeah, just what, describe your your kind of uh, mental process with with coming up with that. It's, it's so funny that you reference that it's two years ago because it's probably taken me two years to get over that two posts. <laughs> <laughs> right, really? Okay. No, it, it hasn't. I, I'll be honest. It was it was actually really upsetting. And it's something that I've faced as a young female business owner um, of people um, instilling their views or forcing their views on me and my business and my offering without ever experiencing it. So mm. what was quite so at the beginning of for being humble within the first three weeks of launching the Instagram account I got interviewed by the times which ended up being a double page spread I had no meaning wow. yeah it was it was crazy. three weeks three weeks I'd been posting <laughs> pictures on Instagram I wrote an article on LinkedIn that said why I started a self-promotion platform called foot being humble and it blew up it was mental wow. it was it was obviously it was a, you know, clickbait title. I, I wanted people to see it, but I did not expect it. So I think it got like, it was viewed by like five and a half thousand people around the world. And there was no paid spend behind it. This is what I'm again, really proud of. Like I haven't, I haven't yeah. any money behind it. Um, there were about, it got like likes by a lot of people. And again, like definitely not my best writing. If I look back now, I'm like, Oh, it's a bit clunky, but it hit, it obviously hit home with a lot of people. Uh, and it was disruptive. You know, LinkedIn can be quite a, you know, generic space where it's quite formulaic content and it, it obviously cut through. Off the back of that, the Times got in touch, wanted to do an interview and I I had never had media training. And one of the things that I said, I actually, she asked me to review her work and I said, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll give you some pointers, a bit like what you've just done. Um, but you know, I was very nervous doing it at the time. She was a journalist. I, I didn't know much about her. And I basically said, when we were in the interview, I said, look, it's so nice to meet you in person because you've got such an incredible, like, you know, uh, charisma and the way that you speak and, and you've got great values. And I can really feel that I was like, but on, online, you've got no personality. I'm not seeing enough of what you're seeing, what you're showing me right now. And she lifted those words uh, and open the article with, you've got no personality, said Stephanie Sword-Williams. And wow. I absolutely died inside. I sunk. It was my first bit of press. I was like mortified. So, I, you know, I've since learned that, you know, journalists want to take you on a journey. And, and to be fair, that story actually ended up being really nicely written. And it, it was very much like I wanted to, you know, disagree with the message of foot being humble. But after meeting Steph and speaking to her, I can see that this is going to help people and, she actually likened me to Cheryl Sanderberg, which was a really huge compliment, uh, you know, at the time. And nice. and that was a, a big moment for me to be like, oh, wow, okay, I need to be careful with what I say and don't say to press. 
then all of a sudden I get this call from FT and and then I got an answer message saying we want to we want to feature you and I was like oh my god my dad's loved FT for years I can't <laughs> believe this like as if they're interested and she called me and she said look I hear what you're saying but I and I get it I get it as a woman I get it but we're going to disagree with everything so I just need to do a bit of fact checking and and literally didn't ask me for a comment didn't ask me wow. and I I found myself like really trying to convince her and it got about three quarters of the phone call through where I was like, she she's made up her mind. There's, she has no intention. She's already in, in her mind written the she's article, written the article that she wants. And yeah. this was the most upsetting thing. So she asked my age. She asked what uni I went to. And then even in the article, she didn't even fact check my name. So like at my, my age, sorry, she said like the 20 something. I was like, you called me a week ago. You know how old I am. Yeah. <laughs> At least say that. And But that's an insult though, isn't it? She's yeah. saying 20 something like, oh, what does she know? She's so young. Back to the ageism of. thing. And I yeah. think that is something where, you know, before I even had chance to, you know, like look back up and go, okay, moving forward, the next interview I do, I'll be careful with how I word this. She read that article in the Times and decided to change how it was talked about and the point around sitting next to bosses is I've been in interviews where I've sat across from four board members and it's felt like I was on The Apprentice or Dragon's Den and it's been hugely intimidating and then I've had interviews where I've sat like you know more casually like side by side next to them and we've had a coffee in in a cool coffee shop in East London and and I felt the difference in in how I present myself and also how they are with me. It felt less intimidating. Yeah. I felt like I could be more natural. And and I do believe that, you know, you are interviewing a company at the same time. Yes, I'm I'm grateful that they'll give me the opportunity, but I'm about to give you five days a week of my time. Like you should have that opinion that you are checking to see whether that company's right for you. So it just felt like she irrespective of anything I was going to say or do, she was always going to slam me. And that was her approach to writing a story. And I'm glad I experienced it very early on because it did make me more aware of how and what I say to press and when I say things. And I think the reason I brought it up on social media was because I still get trolled on LinkedIn and I still get people. I literally had a message from a guy called Chad last week. And I'll read it out because I think it's important. (laughs) Stephanie, I think I understand the message you are putting forward out there. There is some good in it. But you have chosen one of the worst names of all time. (laughs) Humility is the key to almost everything and pride will be your undoing. I hope others do not fall into this trap by following your advice. <laughs> and I just, it's, its you know, every time you get a message like that, it's a knock. Like, I'm not going to pretend it, it isn't. But it's just, it's that whole thing of like, if you genuinely experience my brand and, and you come to me and you've had all my workshops and you've read the book and you still feel like that, then I will absolutely take on that feedback. But if you are judging a book by its cover, which I imagine so many people will do with a book called Foot Being Humble, and you don't give that opportunity, then I, I can't take on your opinion, you know, fairly. Like, I, I just can't. And the reason I wanted to resurface it on social media was because I probably feel comfortable now that I've proven that Foot Being Humble works and it can help and it does help. And I think everything is important that you do it with time. So a lot of people told me, you should quit your job and run for being humble full time. And I was like, no, I'm not. uh, I don't know if I want to be a careers coach, blah, blah, blah. Like 
I don't know if it'll work. Even though it was absolutely working, I needed to be ready in myself. And that's something that I talk to a lot of people about is like, don't, don't rush into it until you're 100% sold that you can do this with like the most respect in yourself. And I think that was what that post was about, was saying to people that if I'd have listened to her three weeks in, I wouldn't have ever done all the incredible things I've done. And actually no one has ever called my content disturbing. And if they did, I'd be <laughs> disturbed as well. Like That's such a weird word, is it disturbingly? Well, like, I actually, I so don't know funny. if you've had a chance to see it in the book yet, but there's, I actually referenced what she said about the out of office. So she said that somebody put their links to their recent article in an out of office email and was criticizing them for it. And I read that and thought, that's really clever. No, I did as well. I was like, that's a great idea. I never thought of that. Again, and everyone was talking about that. And that's why I put it in the book. I, you know, I didn't reference the article and, and everything else that was said. I actually just said, I think that's a really great idea. Like you can mm. sipping margaritas on a beach whilst generating a new business for yourself. Like, you know, and that's, I think, the, the age difference between her and I, because I know she was probably more in the 50s range. Um, and And also just, I think the saddest thing about that was, she'd lost the point of, of feminism and supporting women. Um, mm. And that was a, a lot of what Foot Being Humble was built around originally. We absolutely do cater to men and, and you know, everybody now. And, and I feel like I'm, I'm proud that it's, you know, not gender exclusive at all. But at that moment in time, that journalist was more interested in, you know, getting a story than actually thinking about how that could affect me and my journey and, and all the women and, and men that I've gone on to help since. All about the clicks, eh? That's all the about thing. the clicks, right? And I'm kind of annoyed because I definitely gave her more clicks by sending people the article and saying, <laughs> look at look at what she wrote about me. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm over it now, enough to laugh about it. And even as you read that out, like it, I was laughing as you were saying it because it is just so ridiculous. Good. I mean, I think, you know, it. it I, I remember getting a, I think, I remember being really scared about the idea of getting one star Amazon reviews and <laughs> I haven't had many, but there was one and I remember reading it and I generally don't, I, I try and just avoid reading reviews generally, but I remember reading this one star Amazon review and then having this amazing like realization about four days later that was just along, along the lines of what you've just said, which is basically, yeah, someone can think that and you know, it, it's almost like the Marmite thing again, right? Like they didn't, they didn't like the title. They didn't like the, you know, the, the, the general approach that I had, but it hasn't stopped me being here on this Monday morning, able to still do my job. Yeah. Right. It's like, huh, I thought I've been under this wrong assumption somehow for years that if I get really negative reviews, that will sort of, you know, ultimately lead to bankruptcy and a career change yeah. right and it's like oh no it doesn't turns out it's fine <laughs> so that was like a big thing for me when when that happened one of the biggest problems is that we fear with self-promotion is how others will perceive us mm. and you know, I think we all get that but everybody's so busy caring about themselves they don't actually care that much about you <laughs> and I think the sooner yeah. you figure that out, the easier it becomes. What's that quote? Um, you'd stop caring about how much uh, people cared about we, about you when you realised how little people actually care about you. Yeah, so true. Like it's. Yeah, I think social media has a bad part to play in it in some ways, but yeah, I, I just, I think particularly for that FT article as well. I remember my sister laughing at me for brushing it off because I just said she's not my demographic. 
Um, I think like, <laughs> you've just been slammed in like, you know, quite a big newspaper. She wasn't trying to make me feel bad, but I was like, she's not though. So why would I yeah. expect any different? And I, I think that's really important for anyone listening of, you know, just really keep your mind focused on who you're trying to help. And those people will really value you and what you do, but not, not everyone will. And, and that's actually okay. One other thing along those sort of lines that um, is really worth sharing is, um, do you know Aisha Akambi? Do you know her? No, I don't know if I do. She's brilliant. She's a she's my new hero, basically. She's like, um, she's a stylist. And then she also uh, talks a lot about uh, sort of woke culture, cancel culture, all this sort of stuff. Um, and she's a voice that I just think is really needed because I sometimes find as a as a progressive liberal person uh, these days, I'm often disagreeing with the approach of people who should be on my team, right? And yeah. it's like, she's very much coming from that perspective. But she was talking about um, arguing with people on social media and, you know, people criticizing her on social media. And she said something along the lines of, don't let yourself be offended by someone who you don't consider to be intelligent. And I was like, yeah. but yeah she's got this um this really great video called um the trouble with being woke or something i'll put it in the show notes and i'll I'll send it to you afterwards but um it's full of these little wise sayings that i just think are so brilliant on that as well i I actually talk about in the book uh, about social comparison theory and why why we compare the way we do and there's this great um i can't think of his name on the top of my head but there's a quote in the book that i talk about it's like we're obsessed with comparing ourselves with other people, but we also compare ourselves with really amazing people. <laughs> so we don't even compare yes, ourselves yeah. with people who are on our level. We compare ourselves with people that have had like, you know, tons of money or that have had like, you know, an Oxford education or, or you know, opportunities thrown at them. So it's like, if you are going to compare yourself, at least compare yourself with people who have had similar situations to you. Like, of course you're going to feel like worthless if you only ever compare yourself to these people that are on the top of the world. Like you never know people's situations. So the less comparing you do, the the better, to be honest. So you did this thing recently where you, you posted a picture of AOC with a whole bunch of um, sort of different labels, I guess, of things that, that she stands for. Um, and it's sort of gone viral with people making their own and sort of taking on the the AOC challenge. So just do you just want to explain where that came from and what have you seen off the back of it? Yeah, so it, it's been amazing actually. I, like honestly, I, I literally did that post in like ten minutes. I I I've adored AOC for ages, and I should we just explain who AOC is for anyone who doesn't know? Because I think maybe some people might not know. Yeah, so um, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is a congresswoman in New York. Um, and she has basically rised through by just being this incredibly down to earth uh, person. And, um, you know, she came from working class background. And she prior to actually making it, she was working in a bar, it was her brother that submitted the form to like get her in the position that she's in. There's a brilliant film on Netflix called Knock Down the House that follows her uh, campaigning. So I'd highly recommend everyone to watch it. But earlier this year, I made the Forbes under 30 list for marketing and advertising. And one of the questions was, who would your dream mentor be? And I, and I said, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, because I just really admire the underdog, um, uh, people that have made it from 
not a huge amount, but I've done such amazing things. And when you watch her speak, she's absolutely mesmerizing. And as a public speaker, looking for females that really hit home, you know, it's, it's something that I really love to do. And she's one of them. Her underdog quality as well is when she's um, cross-examining people in Congress. There's a couple of these on, on YouTube as well. And it's just, just brilliant the way she, you know, with this kind of really forensic lawyer kind of um, style, uh, just breaks down things that are quite obvious, but really just exposes where the power is, where the money is, all that sort of thing. It's, uh, it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's, she's incredible. I adore her. So it's so funny. I make a lot of social media content and I think because it's honest and raw, like it, it hits a chord with people and I should be having like a social media manager or planner, but I do a lot of it like on the go. And I remember it was a Sunday morning. I quickly made this post where I just highlighted some of her best qualities, which were, you know, the fact that she admits to suffering with like imposter syndrome and that she's an underdog and she came from working class backgrounds and, you know, just, just lots of amazing things. And I shared it and almost immediately people loved it. And then it got shared by the female lead which has 620,000 followers. And the post went viral, let's say. And my following went from like 8,000 to 15,000 in like a week. It was crazy. Wow. And the same on LinkedIn. I had one and a half thousand followers on my business account. I've now got 11 and a half thousand followers. And I'm so proud that the post that went viral is me celebrating another woman. But it was basically Hmm. because it was... At the, I posted it, and then a week later, the news came out where another um, congressman had, had called her a, a bitch, uh, and it was actually really alarming. So obviously, everybody was searching the internet for positive content. Anyway, it's been amazing because uh, you know I've had lots of amazing comments. There have been a lot of men, dare I say it, looking around the 40, 50 age, probably on the Trump side, uh, saying uh, straight out of brain cells and um, calling her stupid and saying really awful derogatory things on LinkedIn. Straight out of brain? I don't even get that. Straight they out made, of brain cells. They made, you know, like straight out of Compton. Yeah. They made a album cover with her on it saying straight out of brain cells. There have been people correcting actually where she lives and apparently she's from a really wealthy area of the Bronx. I mean, I just want to message back and be like, I don't care. Like, I actually don't care. Yeah, telling yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, what, what's been so incredible is that it started off in, in the tech industry, actually, but um, people were really touched by this this post and it being about essentially breaking stereotypes, but also just getting comfortable with celebrating women. And so in the tech industry, a bunch of women recreated the photo where she sat in a suit on stairs and they did the same post about themselves. Hmm. And I saw these coming through and I was like, Oh wow, these are amazing. And I've just not like had a huge amount of time, but I was like, do you know what? I'm going to make my own, my whole platforms around self-promotion. I got a friend of mine to take a photo of me in, in a similar sort of position, wrote my own words, which I actually think is a really good activity for anyone to do. You know, if you had to create a meme about yourself and put, eight or nine words around you, what would they be? And and that's actually a really good way to, first of all, acknowledge what you're good at, but also accept it because you're about to share it publicly and you're about to tell people, yeah, I am good at this. Um, so anyone who's looking at the self-promotion activity, I would one recommend to get involved, hashtag AOC challenge and then at F being humble on LDN on uh, Facebook and Twitter if you want to share it. 
but yeah, it's been this snowball effect. And every time I go on Instagram, lots of women are sharing it. And this isn't just in the UK, this is all over the world. And like, yeah, I mean, couldn't be more humbled to see it happening, to be honest. Nice. Couldn't be more humbled. I know. <laughs> I, and by the way, I, want to say, I do believe in humility and I am absolutely humble. I know and you do. <laughs> one of the things, and this is a bit of a process that I tell people is, there is always a place to be humble in your career, but before you can get to being humble, you need to work your ass off and self Yeah. Like that, that's the reality is you can't be humble about achievements if they're not noticed and celebrated. So you've got to get that, that going first. And then as soon as you've made it, that's when you're humble. That's when people are saying to you, wow, you're incredible. And you say, thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, there, there is a difference in that. And that is what I'm really trying to land with this. I also really liked that. So within your choice of words for yourself, you've got battles, imposter syndrome, still learning supporter. So yeah, you've, and self-taught author, you know, all things that, you know, speak to that having humility as well as knowing when to, to turn that humility down and, and really promote yourself. Thank you. Um, I just want to finish with, um, a little bit from your book, which, uh, is your boyfriend telling you what he thinks should be on your tombstone, which is actually like, I've just, as I said, those words are like, that's quite a dark, <laughs> that's quite a dark we thing, a isn't it? relationship. <laughs> you get on well though, generally. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, he thinks that on your tombstone, it should say Stephanie saw Williams fucking relentless, <laughs> which I really liked. So I guess my final question to you is, um, are you happy that that's your tombstone and sort of where does, where does that come from? And, um, is that, is that your sort of, uh, epitaph for many years to come? I actually present that in my workshops. Um, and I say it, it's in the book and it's in my workshops and I, I use it to highlight the fact that we use really generic words to describe ourselves. And, you know, we say things like hardworking, friendly, strategic, uh, results driven. And that tells me sweet FA about you and who you are. And so I sort of make the the link that actually, if that's what people know me for, of being fucking relentless, then that's going to stand out way more than warm and friendly. So I'm okay with that. It says a lot about my tenacity. It says a lot about the way I work. It says a lot about me not giving up and not taking no for an answer. And then I've realized that Tom might actually say that for different reasons, but I'm going to take the positive. <laughs> I'm somebody who is a relentless optimist and uh, can sell anything. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm proud of that. And I, I, I think there are worse and more passive things that could be said about me. And, and I'd much rather, I always ask people, what do you want your legacy to be? And, and I'm okay with that being my legacy. I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. Nice. Um, well, I think it's it's inspiring and it's been really inspiring you having on Beyond Busy. So uh, thanks for being on. Um, so the book is out. It's called Fuck Being Humble. Um, and where can people find out more about what you do? So um, they can purchase the book on Amazon or uh, Waterstones in the UK and Australia. There's also an audio book. So if you're an audio listener then um please do unfortunately it is narrated by me and my northern tone so if you haven't enjoyed hearing my voice then don't get the audio book um but yeah you can follow us on instagram um at f being humble ldn and you can on twitter and also just make sure that you follow us on linkedin i try and make sure that i post content on those three channels because i feel like they're probably the most 
engaged areas uh, that we uh, reach our audiences, you know, during work and, and also personally. But, you know, I always try and make sure all the content is really actionable. You get tons of advice from it and it's practical. It's real stories about real people um, and their successes. So please do follow, please do support, grab a copy for yourself and also anybody that you think might benefit. And if you're a company with a team, then I'd, I'd get the books for your team because I think that's something that's probably going to be really supportive to them throughout their careers. Nice. And fingers crossed it won't be too long before you're in companies and in London doing, you know, face-to-face in front of people workshops and talks again. I'm hoping we can go back to that. I was I was really enjoying doing those sessions, but I also run a lot of webinars um, virtually. So in the meantime, that will that will be what I'll be doing. So please do check us out uh, and head to footbeinghumble.com where you can find all the details about me and, and the journey that we've talked about today. Nice. Thanks for being on the podcast. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. Hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Thanks again to Steph. And yeah, really, I was really inspired by that just because, I don't know, fuck being humble really reminds me so much of the early stages of Productivity Ninja and setting up a new business and um, needing and wanting to stand out from the crowd. You know, there's nothing like Productivity Ninja in terms of names or branding or whatever in the space that I'm in. A few people have tried to do similar things since, but actually we're still you know, pretty much holding our own in that sort of space in terms of our brand. So, um, yeah, just really brought back a lot of those kind of early memories of, um, setting up businesses and some of the, the trials and tribulations of Marmite brands, if you want to call it that, or just brands that are being daring and being a little bit audacious and stuff. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, a couple of quick notices I want to do before we finish. So, um, we are about to launch a thing, which I'll talk about on, uh, probably on next week's podcast, actually. Uh, It's called Six Weeks to Ninja. This is going to be a six-week online live program with me. It's going to start in November and it's going to be pretty much exactly that. Six weeks with me on a a Thursday evening, really whipping your productivity into shape. So all the stuff from my book, coaching it all through with me. So if you're interested in that, the best place to find out about it, because they're going to be the first to hear, is to be on my mailing list. So go to grahamalcott.com and you can sign up with the online form to join my mailing list. And then we will have more details uh, on the mailing list next week and then on the podcast after that. So it's limited spaces. There's about 30 places I think we're going to do um, for this first one. So it's going to be pretty small and that's deliberate. Same as when I do the live uh, days in London, I deliberately sort of limit the capacity because... I really want to make sure that I sort of have enough time for everybody and that we're actually sort of getting into your real stuff. So if you're interested in productivity over this autumn period um, for yourself or for your team, um, then join the mailing list, graymalcott.com. And I'll give you more information shortly. Um, Also to say thank you to Mark Stedman, my producer on the show and our sponsors for the show this week as uh, not as always, but as mostly always, uh, is Think Productive, which is my company and we run productivity workshops in companies. And so if you're interested in that for your team, thinkproductive.co.uk here in the UK, thinkproductive.com. And if you want to find out more about this podcast, then you can find out about previous episodes. You can also access the show notes with links to 
uh, to Steph's book and various other things. Uh, that's all at getbeyondbusy.com. Getbeyondbusy.com. And we will, as I said before, be back weekly from now on. So we were previously a, a fortnightly podcast. We're going to be going weekly during this autumn, uh, which I'm very excited about. And um, really, I have um, Emily, my assistant, to thank for that because she's making the job of putting this all together um, just much more uh, systematized and structured. We've been kind of working a lot about uh, on that kind of behind the scenes over the last few weeks, which has been really good. And yeah, some really cracking guests coming up as well. So excited to share those with you. Obviously, if you're not subscribed, please go and subscribe. Um, it really helps us to boost our subscribers, boost us up the iTunes charts, all that sort of thing. So please do subscribe and like the podcast on whatever your podcast app is. And we'll be back next week. First time saying that. Really looking forward to uh, making this a bit more regular and sharing next week's guest with you. So until then, have a great week. See you next week. Take care. Bye for now.